Welcome into the Marvel Stuff Podcast. We're like we do every single week. We're here to talk about how good uh, I look, really. I think we we sometimes we spend the time on how bad I look, but we haven't really spent any time about any positive things about me. So, Josh Kennedy, could you just start with just anything positive about my overall? Does it have to be positive? For those, is there? Yes, a beach, that's the whole point. Is there, is there a multiple choice here? Can I say like? Yellow is like an okay right. color on you. You know like, what? Can we I, brought like, JJ. Can I like give you a neg comment? Nope. We brought JJ in for a reason. JJ, say something positive about me. You just met me. Oh, uh, you are definitely here on the show. This is unbelievable. <laughs> wow. This is unbelievable. This backfired about as well as I thought it would. So let's just jump into the Marvel stuff because that's what yeah, we're but here he, for. He, he passed the vibe check though. So he did. Yeah. <laughs> well, for you guys, I don't. I feel. I feel hurt. To be honest with you. Hey, that's JJ. Good. Uh, you joined us. We're excited. Uh, tell the audience me. a little bit about you. Hey, so uh, I'm a Grand Rapids local. Uh, now, nah, like things that are interesting. Oh, things that are interesting. <laughs> okay, perfect. Uh, big, huge D&D fan. Uh, I grew up in the, the 80s, 90s, so love uh, growing up with Marvel, uh, big high eras there, um, and watch pretty much all of the Marvel Cinegraphic Universe uh, from the shows, uh, TV, and movies. And a uh, big comic book fan as well. So this uh, this movie is a great representation of comic in media and just the from page to uh, big screen. Absolutely uh, if you didn't, the best. If you didn't know what movie he's talking about, he, we're here to talk about, uh, obviously, across the I was going to say. Perfect transition without even trying. We're uh, yep. We're gonna we're gonna get a little bit deeper on across the Spider Verse. We're excited. We did our uh, full review last week, and uh, really, we just can't get enough about talking about this movie because it is it is that fantastic. Um, Noah King Bates may be joining us a little bit later, but uh, give him some time, and uh, his buddy JJ's here representing. And instead of being the uh, the two straight white guy show talking about inclusivity, we decided to get some outside perspective to you know kind of make yeah, things good. Well, before we jump in, JJ, what's your just what's your thoughts of the movie? You watched it, loved it, hated it. I uh, loved it. Uh, great. I was a big fan of the first one, so seeing this next one come in, uh, it captured the magic of the very first uh, into the Spider Verse and expanded on the universe, giving us great new worlds with color, vibe, great Spider Man, Spider People. And uh, as you were talking about the inclusivity of just feeling seen in this movie is uh is perfect i think uh great room for growth and i'm very interested to see what's coming next uh for this franchise yeah i mean we're, we're gonna we have a whole topic dedicated to a specific character but i think there's a lot of characters in this movie from a lot of different give a lot of different ways to include people obviously we have miles uh there's the thing about gwen which we'll talk about but even things like hobie and like having that whole being a revolutionist is like a unique angle and there's people who are like that who feel like not enough people stand up to the man. So I think yep. it's interesting. We're still early enough. It's on the screen. Spoiler alert. Going forward, we're going to spoil the crap out of Across the Spider-Verse. Yes. So don't add us. Good catch. Yeah, we. Yeah, it's been a week. Everyone knows you watch everything on the first weekend. Uh, that's obvious stuff. But yeah, this movie is a ton of fun. It's also very successful. And I want to break down just how successful it is. Just so you guys sort of have for the week, first weekend? That's what I saw, but it might, it might be a little bit higher. For opening weekend, yeah, 120.5, which if you uh, want to check against other things, is about a million dollars more than Guardians 3 did, which was interesting. Uh, it's second only to Super Mario Bros. this year, which okay. is, again, interesting. Super Mario Bros. So the two top movies are animated movies, 
which I think says a lot. Uh, about also this. important to point out, they're also both PG. So you get the, the kids angle and the repeat watches not to dig on the quality. Cause obviously I super enjoyed the movie and I've heard super Mario bros is also fantastic. But if you know how to get like the mix of, you know, geeky comic book fans or just adults that are going to go to the movies and enjoy something and get the kids involved. I mean, you're, it's just gangbusters on how much money you're going to make. Yep. And I think uh, I'm curious to know if it'll ever catch Super Mario Bros, which right now is at 1.3 billion um, worldwide, <sighs> so much money. which is number. right now. It's I think, worldwide. I think this one gets a billion. I wouldn't be surprised if I'm honestly, I'm honestly going to be shocked if, Across the Spider-Verse doesn't hit a billion, honestly. It's going to be, if it doesn't, it's going to be super close. Yeah, it's an interesting take. I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy topped out at like 787, and it had a similar opening weekend. But it does have uh, yeah, better reviews, it, I think. I, I think Spider-Verse has more longevity with a theater run than Guardians does, personally. So, well, I mean, I'm, you know, willing to be wrong, and it's not going to knock the quality at all, but I, I would, yeah, I, I stand by it. A billion dollars or bust. It's not a bust. Yeah, I think a billion is an interesting number to hit. I do think it'll cross Guardians at some point. Yeah. Um, I think it's, I think Super Mario Bros. is probably out of its range of outcomes, I would think, just because Flash is coming up. Um, so the sort of superhero. Flash is gonna that that's way. gonna do it. They well, they also like just the the budget for marketing on this new Flash movie is insane. I'm excited to watch it because I mean, a lifelong Batman fan, so you gotta put some respect on it. The Flashpoint storyline's great, but this isn't the uh, the Flash podcast, so I, I'll, I digress for now. We'll talk about that when it comes out because we are gonna break the rules and talk about a DC movie on here. Yeah, because yeah. we make the rules. <laughs> I do think it's interesting that it's it's already closing in on the entire run of Into the Spider-Verse within two weeks. Into Spider-Verse got to 380. Um, kind of. It was a a kind run. of, well, I mean, it's important to kind of get the context of that because Miles Into the Spider-Verse was essentially like the jumping off point for the character. He was obviously gaining some popularity within the comic books. And, uh, you know, uh, little black kids felt very represented by him and just the idea of Spider-Man's powers and stuff just kind of, taking it into that universe and putting a total spin on it. Obviously, Peter Parker Spider-Man is one of the most iconic heroes of all time, and no one can argue that. I think Miles is certainly on his way, but when, when Into the Spider-Verse was kind of like initially announced, you, I, I mean, us as nerds, it's hard to gauge what the broader society really knows or doesn't know about a character, but I feel like the character just wasn't that well known yet. And based on the success of that first movie, that fully explains why the second one's just going crazy. JJ, yeah, I, animated movies. Are you, uh, are you in on animated movies? Yes. Always been because, it again, it's a representation of like the comics and growing up with that and seeing that represented in the bigger media is, is great. Um, I think the Into the Spider-Verse uh, was really great in bringing um, or potential for uh, No Way Home to where we get more of the Spider-Verse in the in like real media when we're having uh, Tom Holland and um, all of the other Spider-Man interacting um, and that. spoilers. If you haven't seen that, which you should have by now. Um, yeah. That's an excellent point. Coach <laughs> brought that up last week. Like I think without into this Spider-Verse, uh, no way home just wasn't going to get green, green light. Cause they didn't, they didn't know if it was going to work or not. Yeah. 
And the idea of the Spider-Verse has been out there for a while in comics, and now bringing that and broaching that opens it up to more multiverse stuff within Marvel and where they're kind of going now over the last uh, few years. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about how that's kind of the new trend on this podcast before. And, I mean, whether it's good or bad, if it's a good story and they know how to do it, then it's fantastic. If they start going a little bit crazy, which we might see in future projects where they kind of, they try and take it just a leg too far where Nick Cage makes a third Ghost Rider movie or something. But for right now, the multiverse is uh, very healthy and it seems to be a pretty good product for people to keep capitalizing on. Yeah, I mean, they did a great job in this one where they also include like a very small uh, snippet of the live action into it where they're, yep. they're not overdoing it. So they keep the, the ground of the animated, but also give you like this also goes into the larger Marvel uh, universe. All right, real quick question then, JJ. Who is your favorite character in Across the Spider-Verse? And then we'll kind of jump in a little bit. Uh, it's a toss-up between um, Spider-Woman, Spider-Gwen, um, mm-hmm. and I think uh, just a brief cameo of Spider-Cat. Just <laughs> having the Spider-Cat gets the love. Okay. Ha- having that spider, uh, the spider web come out of his mouth with like a hairball. Um, perfect. Love that. That's funny. You did not the spider T Rex that didn't that didn't tickle your fancy. He he needed more. He needed more screen time. Uh, Spider Cat really stole that little scene. Showed out. Yep, I get it. I do like it. Yep. All right. Well, let's jump into our main topic then. Um, As you guys can tell by the the name of this episode, one of the things we want to talk about is uh, this this Gwen Stacy story. Sort of, it's it's gained steam in the past week. Uh, I've read a few articles about it. Josh, what article did you just read? So we can. Sort of uh, the one I pulled it. up that we're going to be referencing a lot is the article posted by IGN uh, yeah, June seventh. So if you guys want to like kind of follow along, feel free to pull that one up. But yep, uh, there's it's kind of a speculation thing at this point because they definitely haven't outright confirmed it, but there's um, subtle and some not so subtle hints that uh, either her story is relatable to the trans community or uh she herself is trans so it's it's definitely an interesting topic it's gaining a lot of traction like coach said and we really wanted to uh kind of break it down and see how we feel about that and if if it's you know true or not or if they're ever gonna let us know yeah i think i would preface this conversation by just saying for me i i think it's there's an obvious at least parallel so there's yeah at at some point there's no way that it wasn't known while they were doing it is what i would say now yep. it's up to each individual person everyone judges art their own way um unless the creators say something explicitly or the art itself says it explicitly arguing about it getting mad at people who have different opinions just isn't going to get anybody anywhere but we're going to talk through sort of the different hints and keys uh, and then we'll talk about what we think about it and then maybe we'll do a prediction if we think it'll ever be mentioned uh in the upcoming movie because like we said in the original review, if you guys don't remember, go back and listen to it. Me and Josh both said, this is a Gwen Stacy movie. Like, yep, 100%. There's like a 45-minute chunk of it that's a Miles movie. But like, the majority of this movie really feels like it's her story, her arc um, that sort of comes and goes. And when you look into it even deeper, it's kind of cool. So we'll start at the most basic part of it, right? And that's that it's the color schemes yep. are the color of the trans flag. Now, you could argue, right, she's always been pink and white with some blue. That's true. Um, But it feels like they really made sure it was the right shades of pink and blue at the right times. 
Um, often it was when she was feeling sort of lost. It was often when she was feeling not seen. That's sort of when the colors, you could see them as very muted. They were sort of melting in the background. You would see the blue and the pink sort of melting in the background. They did a lot of color scheme stuff, which I thought was cool. Um, I think the most iconic scene, I'm going to pull up with the image. You guys can watch this on YouTube if you want. Uh, there's even like a, this one right here is like, it is the flag on its side. It's, yeah, it's it in really the right is. order. It's, you know, it's blue, pink, blue. It, also, it's part like you got to acknowledge it like during this specific scene, once you've seen the movie, it's essentially like kind of a parallel to coming out. It's her saying that she is Spider Gwen to her father. And that's kind of uh, another reason why the parallels are kind of being drawn. Now, uh, JJ, you have any thoughts on it so far? Yeah, one of the first things I caught in her universe is there's a shot in her room, and right above the door is that protect, protect trans kids. Um, and I the saw the flag, now. and I, like, I point that out to my best friends who are at the theater with me, and like, there's a sign up there. I'm so glad they added that in. It's very and cool. the her coming out is very indicative to many people within the LGBT community, is her coming out story wasn't under her own rule or chance like she didn't get a say in when she got to do it it was almost forced upon you yep. almost have to do it and a lot of times for it's someone, more common than it should be 100 percent. yep yep whether you're trans or you're gay uh lesbian um many times you are you are dealing with it uh in your own way and trying to come to terms with it and sometimes society and everything else is happening around you forces you to come out to family members to um uh, authority figures, whoever, medical uh, professionals, sometimes before you're ready and before you're comfortable. And in this movie, that was a big theme for Gwen and almost every Spider-Man of being able to tell somebody, the, most people who are the, supposed to be the, you know, your parents, the safest people that are supposed to be for you, to tell them something so secret that you have been and you have just enjoyed and you are and you're scared that they're going to accept you for that. They're going to still see you as the person that you are and know that you're still, you're still the same person. And that theme comes back with many of the Spider-Man and many of the, the Spider-Man stories. So it is very big a correlation between an LGBT um, uh, Q plus story, whether it's trans or whether it's uh, just part of that coming out and being able to tell someone in a safe way isn't always uh, a safe time to do it and they, they did a great job of uh portraying that in this and one of the things in the arc like at the very bottom i think it's a quote from mark hamill is if you think uh this person is a representation then they are because who are we to tell you not i was going to bring up that exact quote um, yeah, what's I think is interesting to note is while this whole thing is happening, there's sort of a her getting rejected early on. And I think it's interesting that she isolates herself in this community of Spider-Man, which I, you know, obviously I'm not part of the community, so I don't know. But is that something from your experience where like when you do get, maybe not, I don't know if you've been rejected, I don't know anyone who has, but is it easy to sort of isolate yourself within the community that understands where we would say the Spider-Man universe, that little pocket is supposed to be the, the parallel to other people in the LGBTQ community. Like, is yeah. it easy to sort of 
get overly isolated. Yep. So uh, uh, one thing I'll mention is like I, I'm not a monolith for the uh, LGBT Absolutely. community. Right. But, yeah. No one but, is. <laughs> but the experiences can uh, echo uh, across. One of the things that uh, can happen for people is what's known as a pride phase. When you're able to come out and be um, 100% who you are, you full embrace. And for me coming out uh, and being in college and being able to be part of an LGBT group, going to events and prides, which I didn't do before because I didn't feel safe, I didn't have access to those things, it is very easy to submerge yourself in that and just find yourself in an environment where you get to be you and express yourself in such a way that uh, other people don't realize that you have been forced to uh, mask. You've been forced to kind of uh, put on this persona for other people because you're scared of what what's going to come out or what people are going to say. So yes, once you get into a safe space where there are no judgments and you're able to fully embrace who you are, you want to be in that. Why would you want to go back? Why would you want to revert? And I think that was Gwen's fear is being sent back and facing her her dad yep. who she laughed on that really like pivot uh, of uh, of a cliffhanger for the dad and I'm I'm out. But oh, now she's, she's gonna... got to go back. Now she's got to uh, face that. And, and that is a fear of coming back to those parents and what happens when things fall out of this perfect world. Um, and they do a great job of her sneaking back in. And it is the father that reaches out because she's trying to sneak back out. She right. doesn't even want to face, uh, face that. And uh, he is a true parent in this moment. And he's frustrated, but he's had time to think and he's had time to understand and meet her where she's at. And you see that with like the growth of her hair and more of the colors now in her hair of the pride flag um, for the trans and the colors seem to soak into each other. And between the two of them, the hug when she uh, first, I think leaves um, uh, has that bright color and pop. So they, they knew what they were doing in just telling the story of uh, a parents and child coming together in that moment. And that does echo with, with this community. Yeah. I, uh, I really, this is, this is always my favorite scene long before I, I mean, I'd noticed the, the flag in the room. I actually did notice this one on his jacket. I didn't but notice it in my first viewing either. Before yeah, I noticed, either, it was yeah. still my, it was still my favorite scene of the whole movie yep. uh, because it's, even if it's not about the community, it's always good to be accepted by your parents. Everyone wants to be accepted no matter what your, your fault is. He really does come to grips with his own personal belief, right? His belief is as a cop can't have vigilantes. I think, I mean, growing up in a, a Christian Christian world, a lot of people I know that are very Christian, it's very easy to have a hard stung belief. That's like, I believe this. I can't accept you because it's against who I am. Um, right. And his dad does a great job of challenging who he was because he puts accepting his daughter above that. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, cool that's moment. an excellent point. Cause yeah, it's not all about it. Like it, it, it's a Gwen movie, like we said, but it's not just her journey. The father also has his own journey of moving through acceptance of who his child is, which is also like a beautiful story to see portrayed on screen. And he seems to have done it the right way. Now, 
or at least one of the right. Obviously, there's I guess there's no real right and wrong in this scenario, but his initial reaction was more just knee jerk. And I have heard of uh, horror stories of uh, people from the LGBTQ community coming out to their parents. And the initial one is like, you know, get out of my house. And then once there's time to cool down, there's a better reaction a little bit later. That's not the ideal situation, but it's better than just completely dismissing the person or in this case, arresting Gwen for killing her best friend or whatever, or being a vigilante. So yeah, it's another cool story. To JJ's point, like it's, it's probably easier if she would have come out to him other than. Yep. A hundred percent. He wasn't like, neither of them were ready for it. That's the interesting thing. It's like, she hadn't prepared himself. He had no way of preparing himself for that type of thing. So yeah, it was just a messy situation. And I'm glad that they took this film to resolve that issue. And in this, you see the parallels of someone who is forced to come out and what they fear they will lose to someone who decides to leave a job because they are accepting of their their child um, because she's a vigilante and it doesn't par with what his beliefs are. So there, the idea that someone can choose to um, be accepting and choose to leave a job while those of us who are struggling with identity and the idea that we could lose our jobs just for coming out or just for being who we are. You have both of those uh, parallels here in this movie. Um, they they shoot, shoot that and it's easy for people who aren't part of that to kind of miss it. But those of us who have lived it and experienced it, we, we do feel that we have that connection um, and we, we resonate with that. Yeah, and then I think what's an interesting point in this film that I really loved is when she tells Miles, "Don't do it, don't, don't tell yep. anyone." Oh, that's he, a that's a that's he was going whole to do other it. thing we should definitely discuss. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Um, yeah, the and, the advice of that given because she hasn't resolved her own, because she's still running, and so she right. doesn't want him to experience the same pain that she's experiencing, not realizing that. If she Her goes dad's home, already, exactly. Yeah. One of the things in coming out, uh, I learned early on, and I give this advice to other people who are struggling with identity, is uh, it took you time to get to the point of accepting who you are. You can allow other people time to accept that as well. Because other people may just be learning about it when you're telling them. And you have to, you know, give them the same grace that you give yourself in that you, they're not going to be at the exact same place that you are. And it, in the movie shows that because she comes back, I think months later, and that is his time to understand, accept, and uh, be, be where she needs him to be. Um, and that's, that's advice is hard to learn in the moment. And it's easy to look back and say, yep, it, it just, things heal or things uh things need time to get to that point but coming out is never a one and done you are constantly doing it for the rest of your life you're gonna i was just gonna touch on that too because it's not like your parents are the only people like i mean you know i guess you don't necessarily have to come out but you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. the the parents are like they're one step in coming out a thousand times which yet you know it's that's kind of the way things are unfortunately but yeah it is kind of annoying i'm sure i mean you can relate more than i can the like yeah, once you get to know someone that's kind of just something that comes out and you're kind of putting that to i don't know if you want to call it a situation or that conversation topic once again that maybe you know you're you're used to having that conversation now but 
when it first started. You're doing it over and over and over and hoping for mm-hmm. better reactions or good reactions at the very least. Yep. You're gauging people and seeing how safe it is to even just bring up casual things. Um, and sometimes I'm to the point where it's it's not on me to uh, gauge your com- how comfortable you are. I'm just going to be me. I'm just going to talk right. about my life and what I was doing and what my weekend was with uh, my fiance or um, my my family or things like that. And if that's different than what you originally thought of who I was, great, wonderful. If we want to talk about it, that's great. Otherwise, I'm moving on. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we, I think we definitely established pretty well that it's almost inarguable how much this is definitely a parallel to the, right. to the trans community, to this, to this community. It was intentional. The colors are intentional. I think if you don't think that, I think you're just intentionally trying to lie to yourself. You um, so the, so the question <laughs> becomes, I don't know if it's a question, but it is the question the internet's asking, right? And the question is, right. does that mean Gwen is a trans person? Did like, does that right. mean I mean, trans? There's also, is- I mean, you can be a supporter of the community, an ally to the community. It's not necessarily reflective of the individual person. So there's lots of, you know, that speculation on the, you know, on the film. I mean, the way I look at it is personally, it's like, this is a franchise that's been around for two movies. They are subtly putting things in. They don't have to confirm or deny anything if they don't want to. Would it be a good idea for them to? I mean, I'm not the expert in that situation. It's kind of just, you could leave well enough alone and just kind of keep running with what you're doing. Or, I I don't know. I mean, I'm not the expert here. Should they confirm or deny this? Uh, Coach, JJ, I mean, how do you feel about it? I think it's a great point to to bring up the idea that no one owes you anything when it comes to their sexuality and their identity. And what does that do for you? If knowing that this individual is trans, what does that give you as two cis white men, I'm assuming? um, What does that mean that you're not going to invest in this character? You're not going to watch the next things about them? Or is the intrigue about it more uh, more important? Uh, the identity of characters and who they are and who they want to present, I think that's the more important story here is how, uh, how does Gwen approach this, if that is going to be the case? How will the, the Spider-Verse, um, which seems to be very accepting as we see a multitude yep. of Spider-Men, Spider-People, in various stages of uh, just size, disability, um, mm-hmm. uh, genders, um, representations. We have <laughs> digital ones, species, <laughs> all of that in there. And uh, are we then needing to go in and address the sexuality and identity of every single? Uh, well, yeah, that, that, that's exactly right. Like it's yeah. it's not anyone's business. So what? Like, what is it going to accomplish? I, I think the big thing here is because they use so much of uh, the. Uh, the trans uh, colors and pride with her universe and putting key things in to have the conversation. Um, it can be said like, okay, are we saying it or are we just experiencing how people live? And this yep. is just my life. And this is in a universe where it's more accepted. Um, her colors were white and pink and teal and black for the longest time. And now you're focusing on the white and the teal and the pink. 
and forgetting that there's also black involved in her costume as well. Right. Um, but yes, there's that trans sign. There is the trans uh, colors. Uh, but in this universe, what do those colors mean? Um, as you know, in different universes, there's Coca-Cola is different and uh, oh, a generic brand. People. God, one generic. of the low key best <laughs> jokes of the entire thing. soda, a generic brand. Like, oh yeah. my God, that was the best. <laughs> yeah, but they they put a lot of emphasis on on color uh, in her universe, and I think it is that that big separation. Um, but the story is like I mentioned of that coming out and the identity. You're seeing that in every. Uh, uh, Peter Parker uh, in every uh, Spider-Man as you're going through, because they're all talking about like, do they come out or do they not? And what they're holding back from the people that they love because of these canon events and how did that change them? In 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 everyone's, uh, almost everyone's coming out story, they have their own canon events of what triggers that story and what uh, triggers them coming out. Um, so I, I think that's the bigger story here is um, how does everyone else feel about their own identity and representation and how comfortable they feel about just who they are um, and who they can be with the ones they love. Yeah. So this, this conversation reminds me, we have a, we have a, a podcast here. We call it Marvelous Depths. And we did an episode when Chang Chi came out. The whole reason we started it was for that episode. And I, I felt a certain way about the relationship between Shang-Chi and his father. And I just, the parallel to my life, I enjoyed having it. Right. So from my perspective, the way I see this, right. The fact that it's parallel to me was good enough in Shang-Chi. Now, just the fact that it's parallel to the trans community, would it be better if they said she was trans? I think that's for each individual person to sort of decide on their own. Um, and like the Mark Hamill quote says, you get to make that decision. That's the whole point of art. Mm-hmm. So if you feel like you connect to her more, if she's actually, if it's an actual trans, that's fine. Then make that decision. You're the one watching the art. Right. Uh, unless, it's, unless it tells you otherwise, then who cares? Right. But from my experience, like I said, from Shang-Chi, the parallel was good enough for me. I appreciated that movie because of its parallel, which is why I appreciate when there's parallels in movies. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad this movie has it because it's such a good movie, does such a good job, and I'm glad we're having this conversation because then now you can go back and watch it, and maybe, you know, someone who didn't notice it the first time can come back and realize it. Uh, maybe just a you know, a classic cis white guy like me would watch it and go, "Oh, I get it. I, I can understand that struggle is similar to the Spider-Man one." So I think it's cool. I appreciate it. It's another reason this movie is making so much money and uh, doing so well. Yeah, I can't find the exact quote, but I mean, obviously there was a lot of tweets going around on this and just one one that I particularly liked was just like even just the hints is something that young trans or members of like children that are part of the LGBTQ that are in conservative households. This might be the closest they ever get to getting to see something like this presented on screen until they are obviously moved out of their home and things like that. And just little things where you like I I don't feel represented by this because it's not for me. But I love that a lot of people can draw the parallels like Coach was saying. And everybody's story is important to tell and to understand. And if you can see that presented Mm -hmm. in a medium like this, it's it's a beautiful thing. You know, yeah. I do. I do feel represented by this a little bit. I mean, and it's not in the, in the same level, 
But I think everybody at some point is going to come up against somebody important in your life. There's going to be something about you that you're going to want to tell them. Yeah, I mean, if you break it down to the very basics, I I can definitely agree with you there. Because, I mean, I I myself grew up in a very uh, conservative Christian household. And and now, you know, I've got many friends that are part of the LGBTQ community. And, you know, I'm very left leaning in my political beliefs, which is not anything like my hometown. And, you know, to the to the barest thing like that, I 100 percent mean, I can I can definitely relate to that. Definitely a lesser degree, though. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, no, that, yeah, I mean, that's that's why I was saying I don't, I don't identify with the the true like I guess parallel here. But I I get what you're saying too that like even the smallest thing like that can be something you relate to. Well, if you see as like how comics were represented in the past, you or represented in the past, where uh, X Men's uh, struggle is very similar to like civil rights movements. Mm-hmm. Um, and that yep. was uh, a lot of the big struggles back then. And now one of the, the big fights now is the trans community has become one of the, the forefront of uh, hate and uh, oppression uh, uh, on yep. top of the LGBT part of the, the community itself. So as growing up, I've always seen Marvel. Uh, I've always seen the idea of like being a mutant or being different um, close to the core of like what it meant to just be be me and be and i think that was always kind of the intention of x-men just in general i mean they're 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 the outcasts for a reason like i think that's why it's the favorite of members of that community i mean and members not of that community obviously but the fact that you can it's pretty clearly drawn that mutants are intended to show kind of a i don't know hated minority in certain story arcs so it's 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 important stories to be told and what I got from when I was little is being different was good. It, it meant something special. And right. that's what I, I that drew me to fantasy, drew me to uh, Marvel and comics and X-Men. Like maybe this differentness that I feel is meant that I'm, I'm meant for bigger things or I'm meant for, or for better things uh, because I'm, I feel different. And you, you see that in the stories and you see that portrayed in a way. And now to see it nowadays and see how kids who are dealing with that um, are getting that same message of like being different is hard and is difficult. And if you can uh, get through that, persevere through that, there's great things on the other side. And there are, there are communities, there are people that will accept and it's never going to be a one and done. It's never going to be right away but it is going to be out there and there are people that will support you and there are people that will protect you. Um, and that I think is the message that you're going to get through this now. Right. Well, this is, and I think it's, a, I think it's like you said, like we've all said it, it's a beautiful message. So the next question I have for you is the, is the greater Hollywood community going to accept this message? And I think a good way to gauge it in an interesting conversation is the Oscars. Um, it's, it's a movie that's getting a lot of praise. We're early in the year. Well, not early, about halfway through it. Um, Cross the Spider-Verse. Do we think it's going to win an Oscar? Do we think it's going to have that sort of that love for the more pompous people of our, uh, of our community here in the movie-watching business? It has many beats that I will, I think, win awards from yeah. music to just uh, cinematography, animation. Oh, yeah, um, we definitely got to talk about Metro Boomin's album for this whole thing. Oh, my God. I've, I listen out of the gym all the time since it was released. But, yeah, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Continue. No, you're good. You're good. Like, there, there's so much in this 
that is Oscar worthy in instead of uh, like an Oscar bait movie, this was just a good movie with 100%. all of these quality things put into it. And I think it's done in, in that well, in such, such a strong way. Um, I think, I think it's, I think it's great. And I think it does have that potential. I'm very excited to see how this pushes things uh, going forward um, and what the competition will be. Yeah. I'll make a, a prediction almost a guarantee i almost guarantee this wins best picture for anime well yeah you gotta acknowledge it like what other competition does it have and you brought up mario which i've heard is very very good and i i suppose but at the same time i said it before we even started this podcast that feels like eye candy hollywood acting nostalgia all kind of turned into one and like is it a quality movie i don't know i haven't seen it but i can say that this movie like the storytelling in it is it was something to behold. So I'd be I'd be surprised if it was somehow topped by. Uh, I think this is a good class old above, class above Mario. Yeah, yeah. I, so I'm I'm gonna put it out there. If you guys ever see any bets or anything, make bets on it, because it's going to win best animated picture. I think the more interesting topic is is the other categories. Can it win some sort of special effects thing, despite the fact that it's completely animated? It's never happened. Be interesting. Um, Will it have a shot at music? I mean, you know, Lion King did it for Disney once, Beauty and the Beast. But not often, not often do animated movies have a shot uh, really in any other categories. I don't even know if, like, by rule it has a shot at Best Picture. They made animated because I want to say it was Beauty and the Beast got nominated for an actual Oscar one time. Mm -hmm. It's not allowed. I mean, it's just one of their weird that animated movies can't win the uh, can't win best picture but it is it is very very good <laughs> I, I can see it winning best animated because of the diversity in the animation they use so many different styles and representation oh God, for the different universes um like even if you're thinking of like spider punk and the different ratios of how they were representing uh the artwork for him and there's like oh, certain rules that he followed and broke in certain moments of how they would express him and uh, the art drawn. Uh, and just seeing that, have, having an uh, art degree itself, this, this movie was beautiful, beautiful in so many moments and ways. So if it doesn't, like if there's another movie that uses one type of animation and wins, it's it's not. It's this not, one it's like through cool. everything. Yeah, if you're curious it. about the actual breakdown of Spider-Punk, it was shared around the internet. I posted it on the uh, Marvel Stuff Facebook group if you want to go see like it was it, it laid down the individual layers and how they really animated that character and i've said it and like I, he was my favorite like favorite looking character as far as like actual favorite character in the movie it's a toss-up between him and spider gwen but the the coolest animation for me was that that cyberpunk just very english punk scene thing going on mm-hmm. i was i was into it big big yeah they they made everyone's spider universe so unique in their own way and how they that's so that. smart and th- that's that's the best way you could take full advantage of the medium of animation because mm-hmm. you can't do like exactly that in a live action platform they tried to do it in multiverse of madness and it did look cool but it's it's not the same it just can't no. be because animation just has certain capabilities that live action doesn't have now i'm not going to say it could never have it but not anytime soon <laughs> Yeah, there, there's certain things that you can do with animation that doesn't come off as cheesy. Like, I think that's one of the things that like the Fantastic Four movies has really struggled with having a very good Mr. Fantastic. 
because the stretching abilities just comes off really weird when you're talking live action. Mm -hmm. um, but if you put that into uh, an animation, it makes sense. It's easier to um, get all of that correctly. Um, and that's that's the thing with this animation is you you have the ability to express so many different powers and expressions in so many different ways and not have it feel off where you have like this weird uncanny valley feel when you're looking at something yeah, that's a, that's a that's off. a very interesting conversation i want to have once we kind of wrap up this oscar talk is like what other marvel characters could benefit from an animated movie or franchise similar to spider-verse if you guys want to think about that while we uh kind of break I down mean, further oscar talks no i i yeah the last thing i want to say on the oscars is into the spider-verse did win the Oscars. Yeah, that's what I was I was gonna say. Like the first one won. I'd be real surprised if this one didn't win. I I'm I, I it's a toss-up for me which one I actually like more. I think when I first came out of the theater, I was like, I definitely still like the first one more, but the more I'm sitting with this one, I'm like, oh, it's gonna take one rewatch and I might it might turn me. We'll we'll see. Oh, I definitively like this one better. Um the only thing well, the first one has on it is the beautiful thing about this team is like they just keep doing this representation thing, like Miles being a representative for the the black community and just young kids in those type of neighborhoods was just so unreal and like almost unheard of as far as like blockbuster movies. So the fact that they were able to do it and win an Oscar for it, like I, I can't wait to see the do with the third one. Like yeah. it, it's not even just like a spider story at first. There's so many side stories and background elements that just you have to these are like the perfect movies for rewatching. Cause I feel like you're going to notice something or learn something new upon every rewatch. Yeah. The story elements in it for him is so great. The being black and Latino uh, uh, character who in the comics is also by. Um, and then the idea that he's in a universe where the spider that was supposed to bite um, that bit him was supposed to uh, apparently like Peter bite. in a different universe. Yeah. I think it's implied through it that it's actually was supposed to uh, bite miles in a different miles. Yeah. Yep. And so it, that miles becomes prowler and that I, I think it's going to be so good. Oh man. The cliffhanger at the end of this one, it's just so crazy. Can't wait yeah. for the, can't wait for the third. The one. Oh, that was one more panel. thing that I noticed in this, that they, uh, they switched up and I wonder if they did it to kind of clear up confusion or if there was like an, um, like a conscious effort of it, but the father's name was Jefferson Davis in the first one, officer Jefferson Davis. And in this one, he's officer Jeff Morales. So I don't know if like, they were like, um, he's not the stepdad or he is the stepdad or, um, if he took on his wife's name. I mean, I I'm curious to know if they're actually gonna kind of touch on yeah. that at all is it that important probably not but it's just one of those little things it was like i don't don't think you got that one past me i noticed <laughs> i didn't catch that one that's that's interesting yeah uh before yeah before we talk about other movies getting animated let's talk about the fact that this is the last they only have one more uh they've come out and they've said yeah, tell stoney's like oh a billion yeah let's make 17 more of these and make every single one of these side characters their own franchise because they'll do it and then they'll Morbius it into the ground. <laughs> hmm. I just don't know. Hopefully not. Do. It's not going to be the same team. That's that's the important right, thing. I think this saying. team this, has. This team has said they're only doing these yeah. three. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I thought you were saying animation in general. And I, I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if they make a bunch more. And it's going to make me mad. But this team. Yeah. This trilogy. That that was that's a whole other conversation. Is this going to be the best Spider-Man trilogy? I can almost say definitively it will be. As long as they don't, you know, shit the bed in the third one. <laughs> 
they, they have they have the potential to make it a, a great trilogy and leave it open for those like, standalone movies. Um, yeah. But I think putting it in this and capping it off of the third gives it a, an ability to be it's great a great movie without ruining it because I think if you go too far. That's the problem that you. you well, that's kind of the the Marvel effect. Not, I mean, us as super nerds don't seem to mind, but you know, we're getting more and more diluted from our main heroes in the Marvel universe, and the popularity of the cinematic universe overall is yeah, plateauing. Would be mm-hmm. probably a good way to put it, and it's yeah. definitely, I don't think it's decreasing yet, but it's you know, it's not on, it's not on the uptick anymore. I think it relies on its big IP characters, right? Spider-Man is a big deal. It relies on the big names now. Yeah, once they get like X-Men and Fantastic Four in there, I mean, it's going to be the renaissance of the MCU probably, but we're a ways out from that. Yeah, but now we're talking about a character that uh, just recently uh, was introduced, like Spider-Gwen, a few years ago. And even Miles, like, Miles is even that old of a character. Like this, yeah, I, I made that comment too. Like mm-hmm. they, they, this is there was a quick, quick turnaround on these two characters. They're like, yep. they know what they have, and it's going to be awesome. Yeah, and there were more talking points than characters that have been in, uh, in these or in in Marvel comics for a while. Like Spider Man twenty ninety nine. I remember when that comic came out, and I'm like, oh, this is extremely interesting. When they when Marvel did the twenty ninety nine. Because um, I remember X Men and Chamber and things like that who got pulled, um, and so now he's been around longer, but we know more of Miles than we do of uh, of, uh, of Spider Man twenty ninety nine, and yeah. I, I think that's amazing what they're doing is getting these characters and making them the new for- forefront uh, of it's Marvel. It's so face. smart, and yeah, I. I you know lovingly call it the harley quinn effect and that's exactly what's happening with spider gwen as she's on that like they gave they're giving her she has a bunch of comic books she had a few comic book spin-offs she had the the gwenaverse where she was just different versions of all the different superheroes and she got these animated movies i would i would be completely shocked if we don't get at least a spider gwen like cameo in the next spider-man game like mm-hmm. this this character is on the rise and uh, they're going to be casting a live action one within the next three years i yeah. can pretty much guarantee that mm-hmm. yeah i agree to, to answer your earlier question josh i thought about it uh miss marvel i think it'd been i almost think that that character would have been better served having a really cool that's another stretchy one <laughs> stretchy is always hard stretchy to is weird uh to move over and they did an okay job having that crystallize over over that was late. smart yeah it was it was very smart but hey, stretchy characters it is just so hard to uh, carry carry on to. Like, Side note: monster. They very recently just killed off Miss Marvel in the comic books. Obviously, they're gonna they're gonna revive her. So, so I guess spoilers to the comic book readers, but she's mm-hmm. uh, she's kind of the topic of conversation at the moment. And, and maybe I think it might be a little bit of like a I don't know if you want to call it a publicity stunt, but maybe like a character push to help with the upcoming Marvel's movie. But Coach, I think I think you're right. That, that's a that's a pretty good pull. That they, they would I like she would the definitely live benefit. Action. But yeah. I think it would have been better I like served. I think it would have mm-hmm. been better served as like a really cool animated movie. Because you sort of see parts of it in her live action show. Yeah. I think she'd be even more popular if they'd have gone that route. Yeah, honestly, she could have had a similar story to like the the Miles and Spider-Gwen if they would have put like invested a lot of money into that character. Unfortunately, Miles has the uh the you know the backing of being a Spider-Man that helps him make a bunch of money regardless of who's under the mask and 
Ms. Marvel doesn't really have that going for her character. But you're right. If they did this same type of animation for a Ms. Marvel movie or even animated TV show, probably movie though, it would, it would look really cool. Yeah. JJ, yeah. what do you, uh, what do you think? Uh, be, uh, I think best. Fantastic Four needs to be. I know. I, know. I knew you would. Cause I don't want to copy your answer. So now I got to think of something else. So go ahead and explain. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, again, it's, it's the stretchy thing. We come down to Mr. Fantastic. Uh, the, you saw how, even when they did it in across the multiverse of madness, they limited how much they had of him, um, right. being stretchy or whatever, because it just becomes weird. And as I mentioned, it's like, it gets into that uncanny Valley effect of like, this seems off. There's too much CGI. Um, so when you go into the animation, I think you're, you're able to, uh, ex- expand on your reality and like that that stretchy powers are okay um uh, i think maybe something else that they could do is uh kind of push into more of the galactic stuff anything with galactus um uh animated yeah, um bring, bring that bringing that in as well because when you also have size proportions to like smaller that's when things get weird they did good with the um uh uh, Eternals and just keeping it oh, yeah. limited yeah. Uh, uh, with those beings, but when you have like such a, a large character like Galactus, I think animation is where it's going to be best. Yeah, it's interesting. Never going to happen. They, <laughs> I just they, they just it's too big of a property for them mm-hmm. at this. Point. That's where I'm trying to hit it in the middle when in my thought mm-hmm. process. I'm like, I don't want to pick a character that's too popular because the likelihood of them actually turning it into a TV show is like relatively low. So you got to hit someone that's almost like a like a B tier character. Like this isn't Marvel, but you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is almost oh, pretty much always going to be better as an animated franchise over live action. They did the live action things back in the 80s and 90s, which Personally, I was a fan of, but you know, mm-hmm. it was uh, it was definitely odd, and they're they're definitely you know big time animated. What, uh, what about Excalibur? Excalibur, as the, the deep, yeah, I mean that's that, I think that's another one that, that's deep cuts too. But I don't know, I like it though. Uh, you, you can almost, yeah. I like the way they did. We, you and uh, JJ, you and I discussed New Mutants a little bit. If they went the New Mutants route, they have a very uh, in interesting set of powers within that team, depending on which, uh, which team or which comic book arc you're going for. But you could make, you know, some of Wolverine's spinoff characters could be a pretty interesting, like if they, I, I would be excited if they did an X two, three animated movie. Cause it's like, mm-hmm. it's just beyond, they did Logan where she was the secondary character and she was awesome in live action. But I, I also feel like there's just certain things that you could you could turn it up to eleven where you had the different clones like uh, Dake and Dark Wolverines, one of my yep. favorites. That like they're I don't know if they're ever gonna do in a live action, but you could do like I guess the offspring or the clones of Logan as an animated franchise, and I think that would be cool. And then like you got the opportunity to bring in like an like an animated Hugh Jackman cameo or something like that. So mm-hmm. that's my official answer: the Wolverine offspring. <laughs> I'll tell you one one more that kind of struck me i watched a, a a japanese anime recently called like uh suzume something something it means suzume open the doors anyway it's like very stylish it's very cool it's like this character who goes on this adventure and it it just made me think elsa bloodstone who we just saw Ooh, and yeah, I, I almost went dark too i almost said ghost rider though if you could do like a, <laughs> like a very highly stylized 
um, anime style movie about Elsa Bloodstone hunting monsters, I would be. Yeah, it's kind of like mm -hmm. gothic Tomb Raider. So yeah, I mean, I'm into it. <laughs> Let's do it. I, I I would definitely love to see um, Elsa Bloodstone I, get translated too. I think the last one that I would I would probably pitch is Gen X because Jubilee has not had a great representation. Yeah, where is Jubilee been, man? They turned her into a vampire for a little bit in the yep. comic books. It was a whole weird thing. She could show up in my Wolverine offspring thing. I mean, she, you know, mm -hmm. his adopted daughter, really. So you can throw her in there too. But do I, you guys uh, remember the Gen X uh, live action show they had uh, a while back? Do you guys remember when Noah King Bates joined us for this podcast? No, he messaged me pretty shortly after we started. He's like, oh, that's why I sent JJ. I was like, I thought you were both coming. Whatever. It's fine. I mean, no, JJ's right. more interesting. Noah. No, I'm just kidding. Love you. Nah, He'll got, get on. He'll get on here, though. He's got a cooler shirt. That's for sure. <laughs> JJ, I've got to ask real quick. The posters behind you. What are those posters on that wall? Uh, these maps. are all like maps and stuff maps from different D&D and D books and adventures. Uh, so I have like tons of D&D &D stuff. This is the, my D&D &D room. Uh, they look dope. I love it. I was it. hoping for a Westeros poster. But, invite know, me to D&D right. &D sometime. Right. Of course. Yeah. Coach is a big board game guy. Yeah, he's... He, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Coach, uh, I, he's... I DM, so yeah. You ever, you ever played the board game Game of Thrones that takes a day oh, to play, JJ? Because Coach makes me play it multiple times a year, and I have declined the last three times because I mean, it takes my I that sounds fun. Day. I'll do it. It's super fun. I, right. But I, yeah. I like my ratio of winning. Anyway, we're getting off topic. Ah, <laughs> uh, No, it's, it's good. We're all nerds here for all kinds of different nerdy things, so mm -hmm. keep that in mind. Uh, this was fun. I think this was a fun podcast to do i think it's interesting to look at uh again why why do we love movies it's often because of things like this it's because parallels we don't even realize we're seeing it's it's just subtle little things of why you love movies more than you think you do um yeah this is a perfect example of that so i'm glad we did this in some ways this was a borderline into the marvelous depths episode but I'm glad to see it. Look at all these beautiful colors. I could almost rename this Marvelous Death Gwen Stacy, but I, I won't because we, no. you know, it's... No, nope, I love it. Gotta... Seriously, check us out on Facebook and YouTube and just look at these beautiful watercolor pictures. It's so amazing. I love it so much. Or, you know, go see the movie, but good, good plug, yes. Coach. We definitely yes. want to have everybody joining our, uh, Get it our Facebook groups and stuff. Yeah, and uh, JJ, of course, thank you for joining. Uh, we thank just so met earlier me. today, and uh, you you definitely delivered. So we appreciate you, and you're uh, you're invited on whenever. So yeah, awesome. seriously, yeah. let us let us know. Did you guys enjoy having JJ? If you think he looks stupid, even though you couldn't see him, then just tell us that, and we'll never have him on again. That's not sure uh, anyway. color that washed me out, but anyway, that, that's true. Yeah. He's got you. There. <laughs> I got I. For those of us who can see, I know the podcast. I just yeah. that as well. This is, this it, is imagine just like yellow, but then Coach is also like albino white. So it just kind of like mm -hmm. it, it's just a flat. It's like a bunny in a snowstorm, just like the kingpin. All right, we're going to end this episode. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Uh, trying to have too much fun without us. Like, rate, subscribe, all the good stuff. Join us on Facebook. And uh, thank you guys for joining.